Hey, welcome to the Urban Crofters podcast. We're a church family based in Roth, Cardiff, seeking to connect, create, and transform the community around us, kingdom style. We hope you enjoy. Why do you have to always bring up God in every conversation? Such and so relative would probably want to spend time with you if you didn't talk so much about God. Don't talk about church with these people. They don't believe it and they don't want to hear it. Jesus is your boyfriend. Have you ever lost friends because you can't keep quiet about your faith? Annoyed family members and relatives who tolerate you as long as they have to and then drift away? Have you ever been called up by authorities or lost opportunities, whether in academic work or other official settings for sharing the gospel or talking about Jesus. I wanted to be a program director at our university radio station and was shut out, never voiced. The implication was clear. I was too Christian. Have you ever been called a fanatic, intolerant, or any other myriad of words, in jest or otherwise, because you stand for Jesus? Because your relationship with Jesus is too intimate, too spiritual, too weird. And that's by other Christians. And what about when you've been rude or transgressed in some way that good Christians supposedly should not? Have you ever told someone that they will never, have you ever been told by someone that they will never become a Christian because of you. Or maybe they say you're too nice. You're making them look bad because you work too hard at your job. Your ethical standards are too high. You refuse to cheat on academic work. Maybe they see God blessing you and they're envious. Is this persecution? I don't know. When I think of the tremendous sufferings of our sisters and brothers in other nations, I often say, "Mm, not really. Regardless, it still hurts. And we are still challenged to choose how we will react. Our passage today speaks to persecution from those culturally close to us and gives us some ideas of how to respond And it challenges us to look at our sisters and brothers who are suffering under unbearable persecution for standing for the name and hopefully to pray and act. This is all too much to cover in one sermon. There's a shocker. Emily's got too much to cover in one talk. So on Sunday, we'll spend a little bit more time on pray and act for the persecuted church. And I'll send a PDF with links as well. So take a look at that in our um, WhatsApp group. And you've also may have noticed that my voice is not all there. So I'm drinking my tea. And um, and I appreciate your your patience having to make accommodations for the voice. Acts 5 verses 17 to 42. Then the high priest and all his associates, who were members of the party of the Sadducees, were filled with jealousy. They arrested the apostles and put them in the public jail. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. 
Go, stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people about this new life. At daybreak, they entered the temple courts, as they had been told, and began to teach the people. When the high priest and his associates arrived, they called together the Sahedron, the full assembly of the elders, and sent to the jail for the apostles. But on arriving at the jail, the officers did not find them there. So they went back and reported, We found the jail securely locked, with the guards standing at the doors. But when we opened them, we found no one inside. On hearing this report, the captain of the temple guard and the chief priests were at a loss, wondering what this might lead to. Then someone came and said, Look, the men you put in the jail are standing in the temple courts, teaching the people. At that, the captain went with his officers and brought the apostles. They did not use force because they feared the people would stone them. The apostles were brought in and made to appear before the Sahedrim to be questioned by the high priest. We gave you strict orders not to teach in this name, he said. Yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Peter and the other apostles replied, We must obey God rather than human beings. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed by hanging him on a cross. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and saviour that he might bring Israel to to repentance and forgive their sins. We are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. When they heard this, they were furious and wanted them to be put to death. But a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of law, who was honoured by all the people, stood up in the Sahedron and ordered that the men be put outside for a little while. Then he addressed the Sahedron. Men of Israel, consider carefully what you intend to do with these men. Some time ago, Thedas appeared claiming to be somebody, and about 400 men rallied to him. He was killed. All of his followers dispersed, and it all came to nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean appeared in the days of census and led a band of people in revolt. He too was killed, and all of his followers were scattered. Therefore, in the present case, I advise you, leave these men alone. Let them go. For if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourselves fighting against God. His speech persuaded them. They called the apostles and had them flogged. Then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. The apostles left the Sahedron, rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. Day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. Father, I thank you for your word. Thank you for my little sister Sophie reading it and thank you for this message and pray that the words of my mouth would be acceptable to you, Lord God, in the name of your amazing son, Jesus. And so because of my voice and all this, I've had to write a little, a lot of things out, uh, but don't worry, I'll go off, I'll go off script, I always do. And as you see, I'm drinking from his mug. I'm his, I'm 
Jim Maselli's and Jesus's. So it should be theirs. So in any case, getting focused. So I want you to notice that the source of persecution is from fellow Jews. So you remember this diagram that uh, I showed you last time? And it was about the movement of the gospel. And we're still very much in Jerusalem. And the, and the way is is just another Jewish sect, okay? This is not a Gentile movement yet. It's not, they're not even called Christians at this point, okay? So this is Jews up, being upset by other Jews who are believing differently than they are is the, is the very easy way to put it, okay? So let's unpack this. So this we have verse 17, then the high priest and all his associates who were members of the party of the Sadducees were filled with jealous, jealousy. Two things. First of all, who, who are the Sadducees? Well, the Sadducees are a Jewish religious party who recognize the Torah as the only divine authority and re rejected resurrection. We heard that in the conversation with Jesus. So basically, they're the, 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 the scripture only people. That's it. It's not in, you know, or the people who are only the New Testament, right? And you're like, but wait a sec, there's all this other whole Old Testament before. That's what they are with the Torah. Okay, the five books of Moses, that's the only divine authority. And so as a result, they've rejected rejection, resurrection, and Jesus, of course, sets them straight. Um, they were also part of the ruling elite and with the religious and political responsibilities connected to the temple. Now, of course, what we know about them is uh, from the New Testament and Josephus, who was a Pharisee, and the Mishnah which um, is a Talmud, the first part of the Talmud, that was written by Pharisees because rabbinic Judaism is uh, basically resulted from Pharisaism. So they're people who didn't really like the Sadducees, and there weren't that many of them, but they did clearly have political sway. So what you're dealing with here is not only a religious concern, you are theologically incorrect by preaching resurrection and new life and all this other, you know, the things you're doing. Okay, but you're also a political threat, just like Jesus was, because if you start saying that Jesus was a king, that gets in with the Romans. That starts that Caesar is 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 king. So and, and we don't want we've kept this political balance here at the temple so we can do our things. Don't rock the boat. Okay, so then we get to this term jealousy. Now it's, in, in Acts, this term jealousy, it's, it's here in 1345. It deals with religiously motivated rage, right? So this is more like zeal and jealousy. It's not, oh gosh, you guys are doing miracles and I want to do miracles. It's more like, no, you didn't do those. No, that's not possible, right? It's like the people who are like, no, there's got to be a medical explanation. So it's that zeal of don't mess the boat or don't rock the boat. And you are theologically, you are wrong, uh, even from your, your very premise. Okay. Did that sound familiar? Ever heard anybody like that uh, in, in the church, that they're theologically motivated? Yeah, we, we had, um, gosh, I think there was a whole uh, Grand Inquisition. I don't know, some in issues with burning Protestants at the stake, burning Catholics at the stake. I don't know. Maybe you've heard of that before. Anyway. So what it is, is that so it's what Paul says, for I can testify about them that they are zealous for God, but their zeal is not based in knowledge. But we have this very humorous scene, right? Where an angel comes and they escape and the guards are like, huh? You know, you can just see them. They're going, oh, I don't know. You know, and um, they're, they're clearly Jewish temple guards because otherwise they would have been killed if they were Roman, Roman guards which uh, 
we've we've seen in, with again with Jesus. So let me ask you then, if an angel let you miraculous out of prison, whom would you obey? Think, I want you to think of one time the Lord has done something clearly divine in your life. That moment when you said that had to be God. And could you keep silent? Did you think, well, this isn't politically correct? No, you, you had to tell people, right? So when the angel says, go stand in the temple courts and tell the people all about this new life that's in direct contrast to the Sadducees would know there cannot be new life. There's no resurrection. But also they had an angel come. Of course, they're not going to be silent. So I hope that wasn't too loud. And so I want you to notice that the angel gives a positive spin. Tell people about this new life and the members of the Sanhedrin, they give an, a negative spin, right? We gave you strict orders not to teach in this name, yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Now, this is not all Jewish people, okay? Millions of Jews, millions of Jews have died because of, of the false idea that they are of blood guilt for Jesus' death. This, is, this isn't uh, Jews and Jews talking. I always have to say that. Okay, so, so Peter, anyway, so, so they give a negative spin, and Peter and the apostles, they don't shy away from a negative spin either. Okay, and, and, and I want you to understand this. It used to be that boldly preaching the gospel about sin and salvation was acceptable. Now it upsets polite people. And very polite Christians, you don't use that word sin. Okay, fine. You know, I mean, I've seen it in Christian circles. But I want freedom from perfection. That's good news. You know, don't you, don't you think that's good news? That, that hey, you know what? You make mistakes. You're messed up. I don't know a single person that messed up. I mean, all you have to do is look at all the mental health stuff, right? We're all messed up. I'm messed up. We're all messed up. Wow. And I have the freedom because Jesus died to be, to get, not only get over that, but to get forgiveness for that. Nobody's done anything that hasn't needed forgiveness. So anyway, there you go. I'm, I've got on my soapbox. But so we get a positive spin and we get the negative spin together and it's okay. You see, because I've seen it myself. And, um, you know, the good news is that Jesus encompasses both. Jesus is the Messiah. God loves us. But because of our sins, Jesus died. And because he died and rose from the dead, we have life and a clicker flying all over the place. So the, the, the what's the apostle's response to this? We must obey God rather than human beings. Right? It's like I said, are you kidding me? An angel let us out of prison and you're telling us to be quiet? What are, you, what, what, what are you thinking? You know, as Jesus said, I tell you, he replied, if, the, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. And they go on and it says, we are witnesses of these things and so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. Now at this time, and still in Judaism, there's a belief that only certain people have the Holy Spirit on them, like David. And I've told you this before. But it's only a few people. And so, you know, Peter and the apostles, I know Peter around the bush. You know, and, and you'll, you'll find later that Paul can be more diplomatic when it's necessary. Okay, but here, this is not a, a politically correct situation here. This is not a Roman um, uh, consul or Caesar or whatever. This is your own folks here. And you're like, we have the Holy Spirit. Huh? Why? Because we obeyed him. Why? Because we're following Jesus, the resurrected Lord. Hello. Okay. Now, we get, then we get to this really interesting portion about this guy Gamaliel. 
And who is he? He's a Pharisee. Now, there were very few Pharisees in the Sanhedrin and a whole lot of Sadducees at this time. So he's probably having a little fun here because we, you might recall the Pharisees also believed in resurrection. And, and, and uh, Sadducees don't. So if you read further in Acts, you'll see how Paul totally exploits this and gets a whole theological battle going on. Right. So he's probably having a little fun, too, uh, uh, and uh, with the Sadducees, but also, you know, kind of going, guys, this could be good. But, you know, if it's not a God, it's not going to happen. But anyway, who is this guy? So uh, Rabban, he had a title, Rabban. He is considered one of the greatest rabbis, um, uh, Pharisaic rabbis. When Rabban Gamaliel, the elder, died, the glory of the Torah came to an end and purity and holiness. So that was Holiness, uh, separation, that was the word for Pharisees, that's where their name came from, came to an end. And that's Sota 9.15, that is from the, the uh, Talmud, okay? So he was, 200 years afterwards, was remembered in, in um, sacred Jewish text, uh, mod, you know, rabbinic Jewish text. Okay, so this guy was a top dog. Uh, and and uh, he's like, don't kill him. Not worth it. So what do they get? They get the 40 minus one, which is 13 lashes on each shoulder and 13 across the breast, which is more like they're standing like this. I had a picture that showed this, but it wasn't very good. Look, you know, and, and then they're getting their lashes across the chest. So so it, they're hurting. But what's what's their response? The, the apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of disgrace for the name. Now, uh, when I was talking with a great theologian, Ruth Dean and um, her cohort, Miss Abby Lambert, they they brought this up and they said, you know, this is kind of interesting here. I, I don't, I don't know if I could do that. Okay. Well, first of all, we we got the three big words here: rejoicing, consider worthy, and disgrace. <clears throat> and this word considered worthy means considered worthy. Uh, and it, <laughs> there you go. And what, what, what are we saying here? Well, first of all, you're rejoicing. Why? Because you're considered worthy. That you're trusted. That God trusts that you're not going to break. And disgrace. This is the upside down kingdom. This is the opposite of what the world says. You should be seeking glory. And instead it's like, yay, I, I, I'm, I'm getting disgrace. Really what it is, it's like we're, we're like better than 007. We're better than Bond, right? You trust 007 with the, uh, just the, the craziest, most super confidential stuff. God trusts us. Can you imagine if you are suffering and if you are truly suffering for your faith, whether that is physical or whether that's your family rejecting you or your friends rejecting you, you can rejoice. So, so again, that word counted worthy. It's also found in Second Thessalonians. All this is evidence that God's judgment is right. And as a result, you'll be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you are suffering. Oh, we don't like that word suffering. But Jesus said, they will treat you this way because of my name, for they do not know the one who sent me. And so they suffered disgrace. What? For the name. For God's name's sake. And Jesus said, another place, rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven. See, we're not living for the reward on this earth. We're not living for uh, how many likes and how many millions of followers we have or how many views we had on our video. Though, you know, I like a lot of views on my video. I will admit it. You know, I like a little thumbs up, um, but I'm not living for that. I want my reward in heaven. 
for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So guess what? It happened to the prophets. It happened to the early believers. It, it is happening all over the world and it's increasing. It's increasing as we get closer and closer to the coming of the Lord Jesus. And then day after day in the temple courts and from house to house. So in the temple courts, the Jewish Israelites are still in Jerusalem and then going from house to house. They never stopped teaching. They had their house meetings, their missional communities, and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. This is good news. And when you have suffered, when you have suffered disgrace, when you've been counted worthy, it's hard to be politically correct. It's hard. It's hard to be silent. And it doesn't matter, you know, it doesn't mean that you have to be the extroverted person out there all the time. It just, it just comes out of who you are. And, and if you don't think there's persecution, uh, <coughs> certainly not of the kind that we'll talk about later, but, but you, you think this doesn't happen in the UK, even on a political level or in a um, work level. I'm, I'm going to let you listen to a story that Maggie shared with me now. Uh, Lewis and Daisy, husband and wife, were working in Woodman Coat in Sussex. Um, on an estate. Uh, she was looking after the children as a sort of nanny and uh, he was uh, working on the estate. I don't know what he was doing exactly, but, you know, um, menial work with um, the fields and stuff to do with the cattle, etc. I suppose. Anyway, he had left his Bible open uh, on one of the workbenches and uh, one of his colleagues complained about him and so he was dismissed almost immediately i think he had one day to get out he and and daisy um nowhere to go so they came and lived with us for a while okay so what should our response be and we heard that demonstrate a little bit with maggie First of all, rejoice that you have been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for Jesus. Really, thank God, thank you, Lord, that I got to be rejected for your name. Pray for your enemies. Now, the fun thing is we tend to go, oh, they're not my enemies. Well, they are enemies of the gospel, you know, but the funny thing is when you start praying for your enemies, they don't feel like enemies because God gives you so much love for them. So you want to forgive your persecutors and and sometimes it's hard you know i have family members who have said really horrible things and are really you know some of the things i said in the beginning are are, are, are personal and so i have to continually forgive it's it's not easy uh and they've done nothing like what what we'll hear about you know bless and do not curse and this is a big one because sometimes you want to curse in the sense of God, rain down your wrath, you know, and, and um, it doesn't work that way. It, vengeance is, belongs to God. Our job is to bless and our God is to repay evil with good. And that's why you see in India where uh, Hindu converts are highly persecuted, where during this COVID crisis, a lot of uh, former Hindus or other Christians have not been able to get aid 
because the Hindu extremist government and Hindu or nationalist government and Hindu extremists have prevented them. So when Open Doors brought them food, what did they do? They fed the whole village, including the very people who had persecuted them. So we want to repay evil with good because also it's like, well, wait a second, right? Continually choose to repay evil with good. Vengeance belongs to God. And the last thing is to persevere. Oh, wait, that's not the last thing. The last thing is don't persecute others. Okay, here's a, here's a profound statement here. A git is not a persecuted Christian. Okay, if you're the kind of person who's a jerk, who's rude and obnoxious all the time. Oh, wait a second. You know, but if you say that you hurt people's feelings or, or you're just, you're just not nice or, 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 or you're, you're vengeful or you're whatever you are. Okay. If you're a jerk, if you're a git, you're not a, you know, and people are mean to you or people want anything to do with you. You're not a persecuted Christian. You just got to work on yourself and be a nicer person. Okay. And here's another one. If you're a troll. You're not a persecuted Christian. What do I mean here? If you're that person who goes onto Twitter or goes onto people's accounts and feels the need to give this big commentary, you know, well, not when it's not even a discussion, you know, about how wrong that person is or, or worse, really the trolls are the people who are, you know, say horrible things about people who have put themselves out there to share the gospel in one way or another. You know, um, I think of Beth Moore, man, she's been trolled a lot. So if you're an internet troll, you are not a persecuted Christian. You are, you're a troll. Okay. And you're a Sadducee actually. <laughs> and you might want to talk to God about that. Okay. Cause you see more than 340 million Christians suffer high levels of persecution and discrimination for their faith. 4,761 that's 3,530 of which were in Nigeria alone, died for their faith in 2020. Our faith. Christian converts and women have been, have, have been kidnapped. Women and girls have increased, are increasingly forcibly converted and forced into marriages. So that means that in their, their families, right? Jesus said that your own families would reject you. Well, guess what? Their own families are forcing them into marriages to, to, to make sure that their children are of the faith that, that they have left to follow Jesus. These are our sisters in Christ. Some have been sex trafficked. Um, and, and Jesse's mom is, 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 is very, very involved in that. And that will be in her, a link to her site will be part of the resources I give, um, later. So these are our sisters in Christ. And what will we, you know, what are we going to do? These are sisters, brothers in Christ. Well, the Bible says in, in, in uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 26, if one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. So we're in this together with our family. So this is the Open Doors World Watch List uh, 2021. Uh, they and Voice of the Martyrs are the two really huge organizations. This was Brother Andrew. Um, uh, the, who brought in Bibles illegally into communist countries. Okay. And they've, they've done a lot of research on this. And, um, unfortunately my little video part here, let's hide the video part here is you can see the top 50 countries for highly severe oppression. The red ones are severe oppressions and that's even outside the top 10. You, you, you can see that, you know, number one is North Korea, which is a communist country, totalitarian country. God, that breaks my heart. Um, 
I had North Korean friends in, in the late 80s and early 90s, and it just breaks my heart. India is number 10. I mean, I, I love India. It's a, it's a beautiful place, but, you know, and I have Christian friends there, and they're doing all right. They're fine. They're middle-class Christians, but the ones who are really suffering uh, are Hindus who, who convert to Christianity, who come to know the Lord Jesus, and uh, there are anti-conversion laws. So the government doesn't do anything when Hindu extremists who are supported by the nationalist government, Hindu nationalist government, say to be an Indian is to be a Hindu. And they and they have um, and they've done some pretty horrible things, which you can read about online. And there's all these other countries in between Afghanistan, Somalia, Libya, Pakistan, Eritrea, Yemen, Iran, Nigeria, which has a huge Christian population. But um, those El Shabaab, that's why so many of the, the deaths are in Nigeria. And I could go on, but uh, I'll, I'll let you, we'll talk about that later. Because if you're looking in Europe, just around our doorstep, this came out on the 16th of November. It was posted in Christianity Today's website. Prayers for where the church suffers the most in Europe. And I've got the website there. There's six reasons the Donbass region of eastern Ukraine, controlled by pro-Russian rebels, needs Christians to pray for peace and religious freedom. Okay, this is... Uh, where, remember I was saying about the Sadducees and, and, and the, um, apostles were basically part of the same, they're the same, they're both Jews. Okay. So here you have the Russian Orthodox Church with the Moscow Patriarchate, which, uh, I won't go into, but is, is the only accepted religion in this area. So evangelical Christians, uh, Catholics, Ukrainian Orthodox, they are all severely oppressed to the point that the Russian translation of the Bible, modern Russian that was done over a hundred years ago, about 150 years ago, that is sanctioned by the Russian Orthodox Church in Moscow is not allowed in people's homes. It's really bad. So we need to pray. And, and, and there's the article. Okay, so how can we help persecuted Christians? Well, the first thing is we need to pray. The next thing is we need to act and Open Doors has a whole section on their UK website um, about uh, reaching out to MPs. You can write your MP and, and they've, they're going to do the watch list for 2022 and, and introduce that. So you can look there. Uh, writing Prisoners, that's on, on uh, Voice of the Martyrs website. You can volunteer. You can speak up. OK, so we can pray, we can act and, and we can give. We can give our money you know, from our wallet. And, and I know I need to do that as well because all their efforts uh, require money and, and they're doing a lot of work of supporting and, and providing food and basic uh, needs even of these persecuted Christians and sometimes getting them out. Okay, so this is my final thought. Yes, believe it or not, there is a final thought. Okay. The gospel shakes things up shakes up nations. It won't be bound by prison bars. The songs of faith will travel through the cells. It won't be thwarted by laws. The tongue's 40 lashings may sing, may sting. They may sting. The rejection of family members and friends may bore deeply into our souls. But we will continue to repay evil with good. When we are cursed, we will bless. Let me say that again. Somebody needs to hear this. When we are cursed, we will bless. When we are scorned, we will show love. Love. 
in action, in word, in even our silence. And we will overcome indifference with our actions and prayers of faith. We are the body of Messiah. All of us, whether it is here in, in, in Cardiff, or whether it's in Yemen, or whether it's in China, or whether it's, it's uh, in, 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 in Patagonia, or Antarctica, wherever we are in the world, we are one body. And when one part of the body suffers, we all suffer. And we will stand together and we will rejoice. We will rejoice because we have been found counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name above all names, for the name of Jesus, the Messiah. God bless you. Thanks for listening to the Urban Crofters podcast. To connect with more of who we are and what we do, visit our website at urbancrofters.co.uk or follow us on socials at urban underscore crofters.